You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops? That's I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Surprise, everyone. We have an extra episode today. That's right. I had said that there was only going to be one more this week, but here we are. This is the second episode drop for this Friday. I had to do it because Four Origins Brewing Company is finally making a New England IPA, and their co-founder and president, Mike Dornellis, hit me up and asked me if I'd like to have him on the podcast, and I said, yes, I'm so stoked. I can't believe that they're finally making a New England IPA, which comes out today at the brewery. You got to go pick it up. I had the chance to taste it having this chat with mike get ready people this is vox and hops episode number 193 i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I'm with Mike Dornellis, the co-founder, president of Four Origin Brewing Company. I am uh, super stoked to be with you today. Uh, how are you doing? Let's start with a very complex yet simple question that I like to throw at people for the past few months now. How have you been coping with 2020, Mike? Oh, boy. That's, uh, that's loaded. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's been quite a year. I mean, it's ongoing. Um, I'd, I'd say that it's gone through waves of emotion and realities. Um, I think everyone can attest to that. Us, uh, our, our specific position, just for those who, uh, who don't know about Catarquijen, Four Origins, uh, we are a uh, industrial brewery uh, with a tap room in Point St. Charles. When we opened, it was that, you know, that, that concept was, uh, was a little bit newer in terms of having like an industrial production facility attached to what's traditionally, uh, a, I guess, say a bar or a brew pub. Um, difference being that we only sell our products. Um, I'd say that that was kind of an advantage in COVID in, in the fact that like all the inventory I had when the bars closed uh, was our own. Um, so for us, that, w- that was nice in the sense that it was, it was anything in can was easily recyclable uh, to the market uh, or liquidating on, lo- on location. Um, as you know, I'm sure you know, when this all started and the government gave the local push, uh, we got a mad support from the community. Just uh, shocking. I mean, y- you know that you know in, in your in your small community, every every brewery is kind of ingrained where they start up. So there's a lot of like tribal, like just love for for that institution. But it's it surprised me to to see how much. Like I had people that were just showing up and being like, oh uh, yeah, well you know we're locked in for two weeks. I'm just gonna need five cases, and I'm like, oh, what? Okay, you know, it's just like that, that's a lot, even even for me, you know, like so. Uh, it, it was, I mean, tough times uh, having to lay off the entire bar staff um, right at the beginning. I remember that Sunday night, uh, March fifteenth, just get hearing the announcement, and then just because we're open on Monday, having to actually call staff uh, the same night. Uh, when it, when you haven't even really been able to process what's going on, I mean, at, at that time, it's not like when they closed again at the beginning of the month, right? Like we, we know the reality. Masks are now like you, you you don't leave without one. But in March, 
uh, everything happened so fast. And, you know, you were hearing on the news, COVID-19, uh, the, the death tolls in certain countries and the raids. So it was just like pow in the face. But uh, we managed and in the pursuing months, uh, we just kept uh, with trying to get as much new releases out as possible to keep uh, some kind of uh, relevance. I uh, wouldn't necessarily use the word hype, uh, but we're able to team up with like our buddies at uh, Misorum just down the road and launch that collab. Um, and then we released our, our, our sour that's like our non-traditional sour juice box, which exploded and sold out like faster than, than most things that we've had. We keep trying to get that mentality going. And I think after this last closure, uh, we're just looking at this almost as like, this is the new reality. Bars and tap rooms closed. So let's just pretend that's going to stay that way and let's plan our production accordingly. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been quite the fucking year. And it is true at the beginning, even on the metal side of things, the touring band side of things. And, you know, you don't know, we didn't know what the hell was going on with this virus and how the impact of it. Now, now that there is more of a framework and a mindset and we understand the virus a little bit better, not everyone takes it as serious as our other people do. And I wish that everyone did. So I'm just shooting that out yeah, there to get for sure. That. And uh, you guys are lucky and you guys were one of the first people to have that industrial tap room, very American feeling craft beer experience. Uh, take me to that. Take me to where the whole Four Origins tap room idea came from who were your inspirations on that well uh, i think that first of all like my partners and, my, and myself have always been really big into into traveling uh to to locations uh not not so much because you know we love the scenery but the breweries that have been influential in those areas uh we've loved that even before we knew that foragens was opening uh obviously we had like we're like, we want to open a brewery. You're not 100% on the brand. What are your flagship beers going to be? What's going to be your mission, vision, the whole shebang? Uh, but early on, uh, I'd say that our, our trips to, to Vermont um, and Boston uh, were very influential, specifically Boston. Um, we, unfortunately, we weren't, it wasn't the whole crew that went down there um, because of some, like, uh, some sickness at the last minute. But uh, we, we went down and we had kind of saw a few breweries on the this, this spectrum of, I guess you'd call craft, uh, that had like different pinpoints. So we, we saw some small guys that were called Percival and, uh, these guys, we went in and instantly fell in love with kind of the, like, uh, some walls that were graffitied things, not necessarily like in the place that they might be when they're fully up and running and everything. They were very new, very new. And, uh, th what, what really caught us was that, you know, in the U.S., it obviously works different than the law in Quebec in terms of uh, alimentation and the food and the beverage. And it's, we're, we're very strict here compared to a lot of the states in the U.S. Uh, so we some would say archaic. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just nuts. I mean, you go we, we were I remember being at Trillium <laughs> and like literally there was a rope. And on the other side of the rope on the brewery side, there was a dog eating next to like, you know, like just there. And that, the dog belonged <laughs> to an employee, you know, like it's just like not on the same page. Anyways, obviously, there's there's reasons why that might not be suggestible. But uh, when, when we were at this little brewery, Percival, uh, it's like there was a coffee shop on the other side is the same owners, but it was almost as if like, imagine yourself at Mondial de la Bière and you have like booth 300. And then on the other side, it's booth 400. Like that's, that was their tap room. It was like brewery and then coffee shop on the other side, but you were in the same place. And it was like, fuck, that's really cool. You know? 
And uh, we went to them. Uh, we went to Harpoon and got like a three-hour tour from the master brewery. And that's just a massive brewery. Like some people might not even consider them as craft or what that word means anymore. They're definitely not micro. They're still craft beer, uh, but they're definitely not like a micro brewery, you know. Uh, and then tr- and Trillium and, and whatnot, Night Shift and the classics. <laughs> you have to name the Trillium, of course. Uh, so speaking of beer, uh, we have a special beer here. Yes, sir. Tonight, uh, tell everyone what this beer is, what's going on here. Super cool can art. Uh, sort of almost moving away from your, your standard branding, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I can uh, t- talk a little bit about that aspect after. Um, but uh, we got Montreal State of Mind. That's This is a release that's dropping uh, this Friday, October 16th that's uh, right. at the Tap Room. Uh, this one, uh, being the first batch, uh, and, and one of our smaller fermenters is going to be a brewery only for now. Um, if people uh, are a fan of it, uh, and it hits off, like we're hoping then, uh, then it'll, it'll go to retailers eventually. It's our first, uh, new England IPA, which I think we had spoken about this before, but kind of odd in 2020 for a brewery that's been around for over two and a half years to just come out with a new England, you know? Very cool. Let's crack these and uh, let's see what they got going on in them. Colors dope. Cheers. Yes. Cheers, man. Smells uh, nice and tropical. Ooh, oh yeah. It's like tangerine. Really good. The um, the the stars in this one are um, Amarillo, Simcoe, and mm. Citra. Which you can't go wrong right there. Clocks in 7% ABV. It's uh, super juicy, very delicate, uh, super tangerine, right? Right. First thing that blew my mind into my uh, apricot a little bit. Absolutely delicious. Uh, uh, let's touch about the, the brand change and why are you guys finally making a New England when it seems to be the way that everybody's trying to make their money nowadays? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, look, I think uh, for us, it was uh, we, we had a mission when we set off that we wanted to brew uh, quality, uh, diverse styles of beer uh, and really break it down to the balance aspect of that particular brew. Uh, if we're going to go malt forward, it needs to have a hot backbone. If we're going to go hoppy, there needs to be uh, body, but not necessarily sugar and not too thin uh, and experimented over our first two years essentially uh, with all these these styles anything from uh, an, an English brown ale uh, to to a blonde to a pale ale and to west coast IPAs uh, and really working on like what malts uh, are, are we able to procure local uh, what's the difference between these base malts uh, you know there's a lot more than Pilsner or Pale mm-hmm. uh, in today's world it's, it's just incredible uh, hops like the timing and the process like that's the big talk with like New England's especially and anything that's double dry hopped or any haze is when do you add the hops and yeah that's it and you know unlike traditional brewing uh things things that used to kind of have hop additions later on to get that that nose and taste have have really just like to the to the brew day and to a few days after the actual brew day which you know we're still experimenting with like okay sure but like is the you know 30 grams per liter that you're adding is that really like at, at what extraction point are you are you really utilizing that? Like, are, are is there a way for you to be getting 80% of that rather than 60? And then the hops you dump on the floor being still 
potential, you know? Exactly, yeah. Uh, so I think that's it. So I, I think that's our goal is kind of, we worked a little bit backwards, um, but th- this branding is basically saying that this is now the market trend series for us. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's really nice. It's a, it's very Montreal, which is just yeah amazing it, it's it's my metro it's my blue line metro i love it <laughs> it's actually the old school metro right because they changed them recently to these new these new azure metros this is the old school one all the owners grew up in montreal in different hoods personally i grew up in ndg um i lived uh at, at outwater uh i lived in cote de neige and now i live in lachine so i kind of been a little bit all over the place not as much in the east end but i i, I love the city and uh we pride ourselves on uh, not just being a brewery in Montreal, but with the optic goal to be like the brewery to see when you come to Montreal. Obviously, like we have a lot of uh, competition and uh, our work's cut out for us. Uh, but, you know, whether you're a craft beer nerd, as, as I like to call them, <laughs> or uh, just someone who's looking for a good beer, uh, we like we, we hope to be able to appeal to all audiences. Absolutely, and you have been, and you caught my attention a few years ago. I want to say it's over at least over a year and a half ago, probably two years ago with with Hopperation. Yeah, that would be the one that really really first got me, and it was the first time that I ever drank a beer with cryo hops in it. Yeah. And I think you guys were probably one of the first ones in Montreal to be doing that, or at least the first ones to be putting the information on the can. Maybe. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think we like to be transparent um, in what we do. Uh, you know, I, I could call half my beers uh, DDH or, mm-hmm. or DH or whatever, but I mean, I kind of have more of an old school mentality that's like, you know, that was always there. It's just now it's become a marketing term. That's right. And like, what is du- what does double dry hop even even mean? Like, where are you putting it? Like, if if I put a boil edition and then if I put a whirlpool edition, like, is it double dry hop? Like, I don't know, you know. So the cryo hops are really to say that, like, hey, look, we're trying a different um, uh, a, a different processing, um, like within the process of, of getting the hop from its most agricultural form to its purest oils, right? They, they pull off different kinds of pellets. They'll pull off the cryo. Now you actually have the essential oils and there's, there's all kinds of stuff. And the cryo hop was a way for us to, like being again fully transparent, was to utilize also more yield in the beer. Because when you dry hop with cryo, you're dry hopping less with so this agricultural matter. Uh, you get less like clunky yeast cake slash hop shrub that comes out the bottom uh but you kind of don't know when you're starting to get into this as much how to us at least it's it's slightly more refined in that same green element where whether it's a hop burn or whether it's like grass that you know you can attribute to like oh cascade has citrus and grassy notes like really does does it or is that just the the form of the, of the cascade. So like we kind of going down that, that road and thinking. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and, and this is great. And it's as good as, you know, a lot of these great, great new England brewers that are happening in Montreal and Quebec and, and around the world right now that I've tasted, this is up there with them. Uh, did you, your experience with Masorum be, you know, if I can give a shout out to my boys from Masorum, Brassatorium, uh, the collab with them, did they help you along with this process of creating a, a new England or were you already there? I'd say that it probably happened earlier 
because of that, uh, because of the collab, but more also, it's almost like COVID slash like the collab with Misorum slash like where we were going uh, that brought us to this. Because again, being fully transparent, like having just the production side of the brewery going, you have to look to brew something other than an English brown ale, right? Like there's things that we were brewing for the tap room that we all love. And like, I think the, all the employees, whether you're an owner at, at Foro, um, we, we still, we always like to joke, like, you know, like, shut up. It's, it's still just beer, you know, like relax, you know, but uh, you got to kind of cut on all these angles. And um, I, I need, I need to give people what, what they want right now. And especially with COVID, what they're willing to get out of the house to go get. Like, that's really the key here. Um, is that before it's like, yeah, you're going to your local watering hole, but now it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Point St. Charles to get that can and, you know, depends what you're brewing. And unfortunately, English brown ales don't usually cut it for most people, you know? The, the brown ales have no hype, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> people will come out of their house and will come and get this for sure. I, I hope so. And it's, you know, it's just the first, I, I don't think we're going to play around too much with like many New Englands or, or, or stuff like that. Uh, we, we had released uh, the precursor to this and the fourth beer in our, in our new series uh, was last, uh, sorry, this is the fourth beer, but the third was last Sanker and Cat. Very good beer. And uh, that's kind of, I like to consider that like the little brother to this in its own way. Um, that's personally my favorite just because like, I like, I like to pound a few and, uh, this one creeps up on you at 7%. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> they tend to do that. Why, why uh, do they get yeah, us? I know. <laughs> Take me to your very first beer. Do you remember your first experience with beer, Mike? Wow. Well, if I have to go back way in there, it was probably uh, asking my dad to taste his uh, blue dry 6.1. And uh, I swore that I would never drink beer again. It was just so bad in the moment. I mean, you have to admit you're young and and your taste, you're just not ready for basically like malt liquor that's not called malt liquor. Um, Okay, so like fast forward a little bit. Uh, I I think there there were two beers uh, for me that, that defined me wanting to get into this. Funny enough, both of them in the, in the stout family, um, even though that's not something, like that's, that's going to be part of the new series is going to be, uh, whether it's chocolate coffee and imperial stouts and this whole thing, pastries, shit like that, the trend, but St. Ambroise oatmeal stout and uh, aphrodisiac from Dude, yeah, 100%. That was one of my first, for sure. My, my wife, who we've been together for many many years uh she picked it up because of the artwork and that's it you know and it was a it was a, it's a chocolate stout it had a stout with cacao yeah i think there's some vanilla as well in there that's right so she was like this is going to work for me and it was delicious and that's really what got me going on craft beer way back in the day that's crazy it's fu- it's funny because i remember my buddy coming over with uh we were like hey let's do it let's do a food beer pairing you know and he brought tiramisu and we paired it with that beer. And that was just like mind boggling. You know? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story that I have to share with everyone because I like to be transparent as well. And I told you this at La Cuvée when we met face to face. And I think it's a funny story. And I like to uh, be honest on my podcast. So here it is. Uh, we have uh, people that link us together the six degree of separation and in, in this world is crazy there's a uh, daniel lantier and joanne zubuc who you are related to am i correct 
Yeah. So uh, Daniel is uh, my girlfriend's father. There you go. So so he is my wife's mother is related to Joanne. So I was over at their house. I was it was before I had the podcast. I was into craft beer and Jessica's father, my wife knew knows that I am into craft beer. We would share beers at the time. And Danielle was like, oh, you like craft beer, uh, you know, for origin. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like them. <laughs> this is many years ago. <laughs> and, and, and then he was like, oh, well, well, I know, I know the owner. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I burned a bridge. I'm horrible. <laughs> so many years. And then I discovered operation and then everything changed. And <laughs> But I like to be, I like to be transparent. And I heard, and I, it was recently, or it's going to be Joanne's birthday soon. So happy birthday, Joanne, if you ever do listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure they do. Yeah. yeah, I think we had that conversation at La Cuvée. Eh? Yeah, I'm just like that. I have to be honest with people. I, I'm, it's how sure, I am. Man. <laughs> Let's talk about hype and trends. You mentioned uh, pastry stouts. Uh, I feel like the bubble is going to burst. Eventually, there are far too many breweries that are opening up, so trying to survive on on haze and hype, and doing all these crazy beers. Uh, how do you feel about all that? A hundred percent. It's gonna. Uh, sorry, that wasn't like that wasn't a joke for burst, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just kind of happened. But, I'm, keep, uh, I'm, keep, I'm keeping it. <laughs> Good. Um, no, I think it's I think it's going to evolve. Um, and I look, I, I said all those things, but I, I really think that uh, and I think I think I speak for the whole team when I say that there's probably going to be two to three main focuses with this this new series. And it's, it's going to be hops um, like the only time that I'd ride a wave of like doing something like, you know, the guys at, at Buck Canada with with Hypa and, you know, different iterations of the same concept would really be the same way they do it, uh, where you know, in the hopes of educating the public on what different combinations do um, and then try to get people, you know, people come into the tap room and they're like, hey, does any of the beers have citra? And then I'm like, do you, can you name me two descriptors? And they get, they get the citrus, obviously, but then, you know, the, the second one falls. And I'm like, that's not, that's not how I want this to continue. And I don't think it, it can continue like that because then the, unfortunately the bubble will burst. But what's going to hold it together is people identifying that they like certain things within the product because uh, they they understand it and it speaks to them. So, you know, eventually down the road when it's like, yeah, this has Amarillo, Citra, Simcoe, uh, I'm maybe going to put one of those in the forefront and be like, the star of this trio is. And maybe why? And be very transparent. Like, where is it in the process that makes it unique? And why is this one, you know, maybe as much as this is 50% of the tri-blend, which means that it's not a third, a third, a third. It is the star. And I think people need to know more that kind of thing. So hops, um, kettle sours and gozas are something that we really want to like double down on uh, because I, I think that opposite to a bubble or a trend, I think that that's the direction uh, that easy drinking, uh, funky craft is going is uh, is acidity and salt, uh, which is like different. And even in the pastry stouts, like I'm not talking like, why am I going to go make a 10% chocolate donut pastry, which maybe I will. But uh, 
I'd maybe want to do one at like just 5% and maybe get some of that, like maybe, maybe salt it up like with a Goza technique and, uh, you know, get, get that like salinity. Like I remember talking to, to Noah from, from Beerism back in the day when I was doing, uh, my Oreo stout and, uh, one of, one of his biggest comments was like, I just, I love the, the salt. Like I actually get the sodium from the cookies that's like going in there and it's like it adds another dimension to what would normally be round you know just sweet that's that's it and like that's the bubble just sugar the bubble is the sugar bubble it's it can't continue it's not you're you're moving away from beer it's awesome but you are in in moving away from beer we have to be honest with each other we're going to an alternative uh like beer beverage right especially with all these fruit purees in the beers which are delicious and i love them but it's it's very far from the the german law of purity of beer (laughs) i mean the the germans have to kind of get with the 2020 movement as well so let's be you know like there's a middle ground here (laughs) (laughs) but do you think that i you know me and being a musician i always think about the the correlation between craft beer and brewing and and being a musician and being in a band and because of the internet there are just far too many bands out there so it's hard to find and love and discover something new that's amazing are you worried that the same thing is going to happen in the world of craft beer because they're everybody and their brother is starting a brewery there's only so much uh, you know shelf space if you are getting that distribution there's only so much market space so how how are people going to continue to stand out look i mean in that analogy uh i mean let's you you talk about like music and the internet era right like sure i might have the mp3 for like queen's entire discography but i also have the vinyl and i'll still listen to that more than i would any of the crap that i can find on spotify today excuse me i'm sure there's a lot of gold out there but like that's the same way we think about beers, and that's the reason we have a classic series and an innovative uh, arm is because, like, I, I want to have I, I want to have people like talk about and drink this with a group of people. But like, once you're done doing your your five beer tasting, and you're not done, well, then you're going to reach into that other cooler and you're going to grab the grounding beer, which is what we call it. And it's every brewery needs grounding beers. You need you need to have you have a style. Guideline, just like like a good mus a good musician is not necessarily limited to like the same thing over and over again. I think, and there, there's like obviously they're they're in a, a genre, but they push boundaries and they and they like they, they they'll they'll change and adapt and you know one album to the next uh, is gonna is gonna evolve. And those are the people who end up having like you know more than the one the one song and maybe like decades. Hmm. So. That's very interesting. So, so like breweries that are just chasing hype versus breweries that are setting their foundation, building it upon flagships and then innovating themselves little by little will have more of a, a secure future, you think? That's that's the way that I see it. And like, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I can chase the hype rainbow like all, all day. But like, can you brew a pale ale? Can, can 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 you can you brew a blonde? Can can you brew a brown ale? Can you brew a, a white, a wit, whatever you want to call it? And like, can you do it without the fruit, without the hops, without the lactose, without the vanilla beans? And like, you know what? Maybe you don't want to, and that's that's perfectly fine. 
But like longevity in this industry with all the brands, just for, for me, it's like, like I'm looking at it and I'm like, for sure, in, back in the day, there were less brands. But these guys are still here. Like, I'm not going to name names, but there are some big freaking brands out there that I don't like anything they do. But, but they're there and they're, 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 they take up a huge facing. And that's because, like, we don't talk about it, but they've attracted the 90% of beer drinkers and not the 10% of, you know, uh, aficionados. So, like, but I don't see it like that. It's just, we, we see 100% beer drinkers. And it's like, why, yeah, like, sell, sell the both. Like, why do you have to only do one, you know? That's very cool. And it's cool. You guys were inspired heavily from the Boston and the Vermont scene, a place where they typically don't have flagships. Correct. But you guys still move forward with that, which is cool. Yeah, we did because we, I mean, at the end of the day, Quebec is is not those states. And um, we have a a great beer scene here. And it's it's, honestly, it's it's getting better at a very accelerated rate. It's crazy. I'm I'm surprised how fast I find that the quality is is going up. Um, But at the end of the day, we also have, like, you know, we're one of the only places that has, like, a red. Like, like a hus is not, you go elsewhere and it it might be a brown. Uh, And we have this color-coded system in Quebec that is not going away. And new breweries even, new craft breweries do it. Like, their IPA is green. Their white is white. Their red's red, their brown's brown, their noir is noir. And it's engraved in the culture here, and like the colors aren't going to go away. So putting DDH with a cool design, <laughs> you know, for nine out of 10 people, that might not mean anything. That's true. <laughs> it's uh, Vox and Hop, so we have to talk about metal a little bit. Uh, Mike, uh, have you ever listened to metal? And if so, what bands would have been, what, what bands would you have been listening to? Man, I'm so, uh, I feel like a shame compared to what you, to maybe your regular guests on here. Honestly, I, I only know the classics. Like, I don't even know if this would be metal, but like, I used to listen to for like maybe two and a half years, like Metallica and these guys. But like, that's, that's really the only place that I ventured there. I was, re- I was, I wasn't, I was into like some more hard rock, I guess, but like, not so much the metal scene. That's perfectly fine. Do do you have a a brewing playlist when you're in the brewery and there's you guys are brewing? Do you guys listen to music and what bands would uh, would would be on that playlist? Oh, we're uh, yeah we we're like really a bunch of '90s kids. Like so, I mean, uh, I mean it, it's it's more that that mix anything from like R and B, uh, like classic rap, hip hop, uh, to some of the the more funkier jams that like. Would 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 across like uh, some kind of disco eighties nineties like just when they started figuring out instrumentation that wasn't like a, what do you call it when when your voice like the the thing that changes your voice there the auto tune that was it and they were first figuring that out like so, some of the crazy shit you would find on like the the party mixes and all that you know <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a nightmare but <laughs> <laughs> oh it is that's I, that's that, that's my cue to go is what I always say. So. <laughs> Uh, 
you guys have done some collabs uh, with Misorum. Uh, who else have you guys done collabs with? And uh, have you ever thought about doing a collab with a band from Montreal? You guys do a lot of stuff. You, uh, your whole like motto on the cans and on your, your site, everything says that you guys want to innovate and collaborate with local businesses. And there's a bunch of Montreal bands out there that you guys can collaborate with. So uh, have you ever thought of that? You know, it's, it's, it's come up. Uh, one of the earlier concepts for the tap room was to have... Uh, a week, like a weekly band that would take place. Uh, we had some permitting issues at the beginning. And uh, I mean, we opened in 2018, uh, 2018 and 2019. Uh, our street, the street uh, St. Patrick in front of us was torn up and blocked off uh, both years. And then in 2020, <laughs> COVID hit. So we've actually never seen a summer before, but uh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of kind of nuts. Uh, but yeah, we we've ta- we've talked about it. I mean, we've done a collab with Abordage and Sutton. Uh, we did one with Avant Garde. Uh, we actually went to Helm and we did a beer with Very them cool. over there. Uh, we we haven't been out as much. I, I had a lot of plans this year. We were supposed to do at least four collabs. Uh, I arranged a lot at the Chambly Festival last year. Uh, unfortunately, all that fell through. We're still looking to do it at the end of the year. But we've also collabed with uh, the co- co- local coffee company, Chocolate, um, that, I mean, local, Cacao 70. For caffeine? Caffeine, yeah. Caffeine, uh, they're actually neighbors of Misorum. Oh, very cool. Um, they're with, within the same kind of building. Yeah, and, and I still plan on doing that more, especially with the new series. But I'd be super open to it. There'd have to be some kind of synergy and some kind of... Some kind of link uh, it wouldn't have to be much and it would most likely these kind of things for us are most likely seasonals right and and uh, i'd be happy to release on an annual basis people love it uh but whether i would have the collab as like uh one of the one of the mains i think it would actually be fun if it just kept coming back when people want it and you know so scarcity it makes people you know and and then a sense and a sense of uh familiarity too just like your your pumpkin porter just dropped which i've been That's stouting it. is is uh have been stouting <clears throat> that's not the right word <laughs> spouting that it's uh one of my favorites from quebec it's really fantastic yeah thanks man i mean that's uh didn't want to mention it before but the if i had a third beer to choose that kind of changed my perspective was uh it's called night o the moon from Elysian, um, when I tasted that beer, that's that's Nightmare's complete influence. Is that one product? Uh, I don't think I'm there yet. They, there's there's still like a thickness thing that that they have that's like probably gonna sell less well, but it's just the best thing that I ever tasted. Like it's incredible. And I found out that these breweries in the U.S. were like dropping like eight pumpkin beers, and. Uh, in, in 2018, we, we started Pumpkin Fest with Nightmare, uh, where we did a week-long thing where we, we had DJs, a Halloween costume dress-up party at the brewery. Uh, we, we did like a paint night. Uh, we wanted to do, uh, this year, we're going to do like a pumpkin carving as, as much as the liability would cover that. But uh, we released two beers in 2019, and I wanted to do more this year. Like, I wanted to go to like four, so we'll have to catch up for that next year, but... Yeah, pumpkin beers don't need to be like gourds, you know? It could just be like a fun mix and get a little pumpkin. It doesn't have to taste like pumpkin. Absolutely, and I agree with that. And keep it going. I'm excited for those four next year. Innovate, 
challenge yourself. I love it. One last question. Um, I like to wrap up with this is, uh, it probably never happens cause you're, you're, you're very organized and you're a brewer, you know, you're involved in a brewery and you have to be professional, but it happens to everyone every once in a while. Mike, what is your hangover cure? <sighs> Work. <laughs> like Good no, no, no joke. It's kind of this, it's kind of, I think, I don't know if it's the, I'm the only one that sees it this way, but like probably one of the only people you'll see that like, if I, if I somehow get to, to get to the brewery at like 7am on the dot, probably there was some beers in there. <laughs> wow. Like I just, I, I have this thing where I have to, you just, you just keep going and then you sleep really well the next night. Absolutely. And, and it, it is true that, that getting up and, and working and doing something is better than just s- sitting in it because cause you end up suffering. You're, you're realizing how much you're suffering versus just keeping yourself busy. Physical work, I would say, not, not something behind the computer. That's just, that's useless. That's completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about Four Origins Brewing. Uh, they just launched this brew, Montreal state of mind uh head over to the brewery pick it up people it is fantastic it is up there with the best of them that i've been tasting coming out from here in quebec and i suggest that you guys pick it up as well cheers mike awesome cheers man hey thank you all so so much for listening right to the end you know that i love and appreciate that what a great chat with Mike. I loved his vision. I loved how he has a plan for his brewery. I loved how he hasn't deviated from that. I love how when he feels like he's ready, he's finally embarking on the hype train. Cheers to Mike. Cheers to Four Origins Brewing Company. I wish them a long life, and I am a fan. I am going to support them 1,000%. You should, too. Head on over there today. Pick up the Montreal State of Mind New England IPA. It is absolutely delicious, and I stand behind that 1,000%. A bit strange to do some promo about another brewery, but I got to do it. You have one week left to pick up the Vox and Overhops. That's the Vox and Hops Overhop Canada collab which will be dropping on November 21st, but you can pre-order it now, and the pre-orders are only open for one more week. But if you pre-order it now, you will also be able to get the awesome Vox and Overhops shirt, which will be printed at The Imprint here in Montreal. I love The Imprint. They make the sickest merch here in Montreal, and I'm always super proud to use them. So you have one week left to pre-order this sucker. You can either get a four-pack of it, or you can get a single can with the t-shirt, and you can do that in the pre-order section on the Overhops hop canada website i have put the link for that in the description of this podcast so do it people check it out go and get this brew i'm so excited about vox and Overhops. if you enjoyed this vox and hops episode you should absolutely go and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice because i have over 190 episodes which you can go back and check out i hope you guys have a great weekend Relax, kick back, take some time to be with your loved ones, do something for yourself, take care of your mental state. That's very, very, very important, people, and do not forget that. Rest, 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 and that way you can come back stronger than ever. I have two episodes for you next week, and that is the truth this time. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. Until next week, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. This 
is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.